0: Hello, friends, and welcome to Something to Talk About, a podcast where different women come together to talk about the Word of God and the various ways it applies to our lives. I'm Vanessa Hawkins, and joining Amber and me today are Sue Ames and Elena Boone. Hello, ladies. Good morning. Hello. Something I really love about these okay. ladies, I hadn't considered this until today, uh, a little bit earlier, is that you've both been my neighbors in a sense. Did you know that? Elena is my current neighbor. We live in the same neighborhood, and Sue and I are from St. Louis. Mm, so right. uh, Go Cardinals. S- uh, there you go. Go Cardinals. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. You haven't heard that in a while. I, I, I missed that. It did something for my heart. It does. <laughs> yes. Love it that. Does. That's right. Uh, but both of these ladies have a similar temperament in my thing. Both very soft-spoken, gentle temperaments, and yet they are very much influencing people around them uh, and with their gracious speech. And so, I just I'm, I'm excited to have them here with us today. We like to start each podcast with our first things first segment and and some personal introductions. So, um, first things first, question. When was the first time you were in charge of baking the Thanksgiving turkey? And how did that turn out for you?
1: I'm Sue Ames. I'm married to Phil and have three adult children, Katie, Elizabeth, and Caroline. So, actually, I have never been in charge of making the big Thanksgiving (gasps) Day turkey. Phil's mom cooked the turkey for years. And then when we took over the Thanksgiving cooking, we added in a ham because uh-huh. Phil preferred ham, and I just did a small turkey breast in the crock pot. <laughs> uh, I loved it. I like turkey and always when wanted some leftover, but the rest of the family kind of preferred ham. And then more recently, we've changed the menu again because my children informed me that they really don't like turkey at all, uh-huh. and <laughs> okay. I seem to be the only family member that did. So now Phil cooks a Boston butt on the green egg, and we serve pulled pork. Okay. Okay. It's a very non-traditional Thanksgiving meal, but one that my family is much more thankful for
2: (laughs) and enjoys. Nice. That's the key. Yes. True.
3: Mm -hmm. I'm Elena Boone. I'm married to Dan, and we have two adult daughters, Catherine, who lives here, and Jenny, who lives in Raleigh. So we married on November 16th, and two weeks after we married was my first Thanksgiving turkey, and I love a moist turkey. So I did an oven bag, and I thought it tasted delicious. It was moist, and I learned my brand-new husband likes crisp skin. Oven <laughs> bags don't do crisp skin. So the next year, I did it in an uncovered uh, roasting pan, and the skin was very crisp, but the meat was not all that moist. So I thought, how am I going to marry this, these two? Marriage was on my mind. <laughs> and I so I read an unusual recipe where this woman swore that it this created a moist turkey with crispy skin. So I got two grocery paper bags and put the turkey in one side and then the other side co- the other bag covered the first bag and I cooked my Thanksgiving turkey and it was delicious. It had it was moist meat and crispy skin. So next week I'll make my 34th Thanksgiving turkey in a brown paper bag wow huh.
2: that is interesting I don't yeah. think I've
0: heard of that before. I've never heard of it okay yeah we'll, we'll be talking uh Elena because I grew up with the you know baking it in the bag roasting it in the bag so my mom always did that but my first turkey um you know I had I turned it well I turned the oven way up to get the crispy skin mm-hmm. just to brown it and then just turned it down to like 200 and just cooked it for a very long time and that actually worked really well and actually gave me crispy skin and it was very moist but I think part of the moisture was also because I left all the giblets inside in that <laughs> <bag>. <laughs> I left the little bag inside oh. it was a very moist oh. turkey
2: <laughs> a little bit different flavor it's maybe it's a little
0: different it's a little different <laughs>
2: The um, little bag is always freaking me out. Like pulling yeah, out the little bag and like, what? I just yeah, do not like that. I don't, I don't like the giblets.
0: It is a little different. It's a little weird. Oh, wow. Well,
2: let's see. Elena, we John and I got married on November 24th, and I did not Hmm, now that I'm thinking about it. I did not cook a turkey uh for that Thanksgiving. We ate, I remember, and his his parents at that time were living out in California. And they had this great little house that had a terrible garbage disposal. And I remember we had somehow made mashed potatoes and we had turkey. And the only thing I really remember, though, is that we stopped up that garbage disposal and flooded the <laughs> kitchen. And oh, potatoes just, will uh, do with, that. Yes, yes, yes. And we couldn't get it unplugged. Yes. So for like a whole night that it should have been so romantic as part of the honeymoon, it was just like up all night trying to unclog this this garbage disposal. Oh, so wow. it, was, it was, and then, then I think, t- and the next year after that, I tried to make a turkey breast. Mm-hmm. So just, just the breast. And all I remember was it was dry. It was dry and the dressing was dry and so it was a failure and since then I haven't had to make one either because we always go to John's dad's family's side of the family and they have this big reunion and those patriarchs have been in charge of making the turkey for several years and they do it excellently and they're just starting to pass all of the secrets down uh, to the next generation. Nice. So things like turkey, you need somebody to kind of lead out. Yes. Right. You know, yes. and it, it's so helpful if you have somebody who's gone before you in the ways of turkey. You know, That's to, right. To, to tell you the That's pitfalls right. or the things pass to do. Pass it on to the next generation. not do. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Don't try the turkey for the, I mean, if, if it's your first turkey, don't do that one on Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. No, you need don't, to have some try turkey that out swag. by
2: yourself. Some turkey yeah. swag. That's right. <laughs> Well, in our chapters of Joshua for today, Joshua 23 and 24, we're going to see that it's starting out with Joshua, who is passing on to... The generation that's with him and then to the next generation, Uh, not the ways of making turkey, of course, but the ways (laughs) of knowing the Lord and following the Lord and living faithfully uh, with the Lord and how important that is. If you haven't read yet, Joshua 23 and 24, our chapters for today, I invite you to pause and read them because there's so much there. That We can't touch on in our brief time today, mm-hmm. uh, but that's so important for you to read for yourself to let the Lord speak to you through those chapters. So pause, read the chapters, come back to us. And like I said, we're going to start now talking about the importance that it is to pass on to the next generation, the knowledge and faith uh, and obedience that goes with knowing the Lord, you know, Joshua's ending these chapters, in a similar way to where they began, to, to the way that they began in Joshua one, he's told be strong and courageous, be very careful uh, to follow everything uh, in the in the Lord's law as you go in by faith and conquer this land. And now it's saying at the beginning of twenty three, those enemies have been conquered. There's rest all around. Joshua's older; he's not going to be around for a lot. A lot more time. And he calls Israel their leaders and he says to them the same thing. Be very strong and courageous. You've seen all the wonders that the Lord has done for you. You've been with me. We've walked through this together. We know the Lord. We know who he is. We know what he does. So now we are going to be strong and courageous. You be strong and courageous and be careful to do all that is in the Lord's law as you settle into this land that he's given you now. And if you were to read ahead a little bit the next book after Joshua in the Bible is Judges. And when you get to Judges chapter 2, you'll realize why it's so important that this generation of leaders with Joshua continues to pass on what they know of the Lord to the mm-hmm. next generation. Because what you see is that after Joshua passes away and after the generation that was with him, all of those leaders pass away, it says... the there arose a generation who did not know the Lord Mm -hmm. and who do not know the wonders that he had performed and they fell away and they became disobedient and they began to serve other gods. And you know, the Bible doesn't indict Joshua or his generation. It doesn't say necessarily that they failed to pass on, uh, to the next generation, but for whatever reason, that generation didn't absorb the truths about who the Lord was and they didn't follow in them. And so we are left with the very distinct impression that we have to generationally pass on to one another the wonders of the Lord, what it looks like to live by faith and to live in obedience. So, Sue and Elena, both of y'all, I have known y'all for a little bit of time and have seen the ways that you have invested your lives in the next generation. And I've heard you talk about the ways that the generation above you has invested in y'all. So would y'all share with our listeners a little bit what that's looked like for you to both be invested in and then to invest in other women as well? Elaine, let start us off.
3: Sure. It's really fun to do this with Sue. We have, we're, our children are at the similar stage um, and we've raised them together, if you will. Mm-hmm. And we've been blessed to be part of First Press for decades. Mm-hmm. We were new brides and we were mentored. We were new moms, and we were mentored. We were moms of school-aged children. We set our children into a flight into college to, at the same time, and we were mentored. We, uh, and now we have adult children and are still being mentored. One of my first memories of Augusta, we moved from Dallas, and we were in a fabulous church. And it uh, we had just really great teaching. And I remember thinking, will I find a church with the teaching like I had in Dallas, the very first Bible study I I attended, I sat under Diane Burnside, Mm -hmm. and God just told me in my heart, I have gone before you. Mm -hmm. And she has mentored me with her life Mm -hmm. for decades now. And I think of Sweetie Cross, who I have been in Bible study with for several years. We cannot go a single Bible study without her talking about God's faithfulness. Uh, So these... Mm -hmm women have life mentored us. Um, And uh, Dan and I are privileged to be involved in the downtown ministry and there are no shortage of young women and two generations really um, in downtown. It's it's been really fun to um, come along beside them. One of my favorite things to do sort of serendipitously fell upon us Uh, a new mom asked if we would be willing to meet with them to come over for dinner once a month and just live life and and communicate with them and we said sure you have three young children I'll bring the dinner Mm -hmm. so we brought dinner and we ate dinner with their family once a month and it was so much Mm -hmm. fun to have a toddler in a high chair (laughs) wanting to swap food with you (laughs) and to read to their children put them to bed Play with them, do family type things, and yeah, so just I feel like this generation is um, wants us to be their friend to mm-hmm. come along beside them and that took a while for me to process that kind of what do I have to offer well, I can tell them about the mistakes I made, mm-hmm. but just how I like sweetie t- t- told me tells me still of God's faithfulness, I can tell them of God's faithfulness mm-hmm. as well
2: mm-hmm just how important that is to have someone in your home who could say when the toddlers throwing food, or, you know, across the room and refuses to eat his peas or whatever, this too will pass. Or perspective, d- yeah, perspective, yes. yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. so vitally, vitally important. And she knew what she was doing. She asked you over for dinner once a month. Elena. That's right. She had the good end of that bargain, right there. With you. Uh-huh. She was going to cook it,
3: but yeah, said no. You take care of your three kids, and we'll bring it. Oh, sweet. What about you, Sue?
1: Well, I grew up in a wonderful non-Christian family that was very, very private about religion. Mm. Uh, Religion was observed on Sunday, but not really discussed. Mm. And so as I've walked into faith in different seasons of my life, I didn't really have the experience of older family members passing God's truth on to me. So I began to observe other believers, listen to them. And as I grew more comfortable in my faith, I began to ask questions. And what I heard and observed over and over and over again was the need to know God's word, Mm -hmm. because in it, he reveals himself to us and gives us what we need for life and godliness. Our tendency is to think that God is like us. I love what Dane Ortlund says in his book, Gentle and Lowly, and I'm paraphrasing a bit here. The Christian life is the long journey of letting our natural assumptions about who God is fall away, being replaced with God's own insistence of who he is. That's why we need a Bible. That's why we need to know what it says. So I'm passing on this truth to the next generation through the ongoing study of God's Word, then speaking His truth at all times, at work, at home, the grocery store, in Bible study, in any and all of my interactions. I desire to speak the truth using Scripture as the lens through which I see and understand the world. Mm -hmm. And one way in particular with our children that are older, they're not around the house anymore, we have a little bit less interaction and impact maybe on them because of their age is, um, we have a family text and I occasionally send out a mom's musing, which are thoughts, prayers, or quotes from recent readings that I've had. And one text that I sent recently was a quote from Tozer and uh-huh. it said, what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And the only way our thoughts will be accurate about God is if they are aligned with Scripture. Mm-hmm. To know God as he reveals himself in Scripture is the truth that I want to pass on to this mm-hmm. next generation. Mm-hmm. And Sue, having known you for so many decades, I feel like you
3: do that. And I feel like you have memorized Scripture so that so that it is at the ready to share with me or whoever you mm-hmm. And I've seen that same with. thing in you.
1: Mm-hmm. It's nice to have friends. The Lord has blessed mm-hmm. us with mm-hmm. friends that are aligned in their values, mm-hmm. in child rearing and just living life. And First Press has brought that mm-hmm. about, and it has been a huge blessing. Yeah,
0: That is such a rich blessing. I've, I've talked many times uh, on this podcast about uh, the influence of my grandmother um, mm. for me. You know, I I loved the Lord. I don't remember not loving the Lord because it was just contagious. Mm. I love the Lord because she loved him. And and it just showed in everything that she did. Um, She was very arthritic just from my earliest memories of her. But I remember her kneeling on those arthritic knees. sliding off the side of the bed and just kneeling and pulling her laboring to pull herself back up but she just always bowed before the Lord and then she made her way to the living room after she had gotten showered and everything and opened her old raggedy Bible and that was the Mm -hmm. that was the 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 sermon I saw every morning uh up until I was Mm -hmm. five years old and and, and I, I've remembered as of late, too, that, um, and she would give me my book of Bible stories. And so we, we'd have Bible study every morning till The Price is Right came on. <laughs> that, was a, that was the routine. That was every day until I was five and went to um, kindergarten. But then she also, they would sit under the tree uh, in the evenings when it was summer, when it was warm out. And they would allow me to teach them the Bible. Oh, how sweet. And so they were my first captive audience. That's cool. Mm -hmm. They were my first, you know, so, and so my teaching, my children, man, it just, just flowed so naturally out of what I had with grandma. I mean, Mm -hmm. I, I I didn't even really think about that. That's what I was duplicating, but Mm -hmm. it was just very much that. So yeah, such a.
3: Vanessa, did she ask you questions for your sermons, or did you were just free to talk about whatever?
0: <laughs> now, that is, that's a great question. You know, I, I mostly remember me just kind of rehashing what I knew about my Bible stories. And so I can remember having my Bible stories open, and they're sitting under the tree, and I would be telling them— what I learned about it, what insight I had about it. And I just really remember just being affirmed.
3: Mm, I don't remember
0: a lot of questions. I just remember that's right, baby. Mm. And that's right. And that's great. And, you know, and so just, you know, and so my confidence, I think, in in teaching too comes from them and from, you know, my father. But Mm. yeah, so um, this passage that we're talking about, Joshua is making kind of a speech of his own. (laughs) And I'm sure my grandparents listened to lots of great speeches and not so great speeches too. (laughs) So throughout the book of Joshua, we've heard the Lord speak to Joshua and Joshua speak to the people using covenant language and covenants always involve terms and conditions to hear the lofty terms of the agreement without first being reminded of the God of grace with which they would be entering covenant would have been just crushing to them. Mm. And so Joshua is graciously reminding them of this journey. He's reminding them of the God who has kept this covenant. They knew they could never keep his righteous standards. Mm. Revisiting how he had been gracious to them was key in remembering that their obedience was not only a term of the covenant, but also just a right and grateful response to God's kindness and his faithfulness to them. Uh, Their obedience was the term of the covenant that would allow the pathway to covenant blessings and, and their flourishing. So, Yeah, what what strikes me over and over again as I'm reading Joshua is just how much of it is a rehashing of the covenant blessings and curses of Deuteronomy 28. So Deuteronomy 28, the Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. They shall come against you one way and flee before you seven ways. Uh, And over and over again, we hear um, the people were afraid of you. Their hearts melted with fear. That's, That's covenant. That's covenant language. The Lord will make you the head, not the tail. You shall go up and not down. If you obey the commandments of the Lord, your God, being careful to do all that is written in them, not turning aside from it to the left or to the right. That's Joshua one. That's Deuteronomy 28. The covenant language that we hear in Deuteronomy 28 is just repeated throughout Joshua. And the nature of a covenant is that though there are blessings for obedience and there are curses for disobedience. And so Joshua's charge to Israel seems a bit paradoxical. At the same time, he emphasizes God's faithfulness and covenant keeping and Israel's inability to keep the covenant perfectly. He wouldn't have well-meaning Israel to quickly agree to what would be such a solemn vow. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't take it. They, they quickly say, well, yes, we will do it. When Joshua gives them <laughs> what is commanded, when he charges them, they say, yes, they quickly say, yes, we will do it. But he doesn't accept that. He's says, you can't do it. Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) um he wants them to remember the lord's faithfulness he uh, he doesn't want them to enter this covenant lightly but he also wants them to remember he knows the importance of them remembering the lord's faithfulness deuteronomy 8 puts it best it says it this way he says take care lest you forget the lord your god by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes which i command you today lest when you have eaten and are full Mm -hmm. And have built good houses and live in them. And when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied. Good. This is all good covenant language. Then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord, your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with this fiery serpent, scorpions, thirsty ground where there was no water who brought you water out of the flinty rock who fed you in the wilderness with manna, that your fathers did not know that he might humble you and test you do, and do you good in the end. So he's saying, beware, he's warning them, beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand got me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to the fathers as it is this day. And if you forget, here comes the curses the Lord, your God, and go after other gods and serve them and worship them. I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish Mm. like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you. So shall you perish because you would not obey the voice of the Lord, your God. There are grave consequences Mm -hmm. to not obeying. And so he wouldn't have them to enter into this covenant lightly. Uh, We've we've heard all throughout how they would be devoted to destruction Mm -hmm. if they were to disobey this covenant. And so it's very serious. And he wants them to understand the gravity of their vow and to have a reverent fear of this covenant God who they're making the vow with. So now how would you say that a proper fear of God's promised judgment on sin and your own inability to serve him strengthen you in your walk of faith? Wow.
1: Well, what comes first to my mind is a prayer from the Valley of Vision, Mm -hmm. which starts off with, no day of my life has passed that has not proved me guilty in thy Mm -hmm. sight. Mm -hmm. And then a few lines later, he says, though my sins rise to heaven, thy merits, the merits of Jesus soar Mm -hmm. above them. Mm -hmm. God's judgment on sin has already occurred. Jesus bore the punishment due to me, and now wonderfully I'm covered in his righteousness and can stand uh, before the holy God. Yet, I still sin. Right. When Joshua tells the people, you will not be able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God, I believe he's giving them a wake-up call. He is speaking the truth about ourselves that we often try to hide. I cannot serve the Lord in my own strength and I cannot serve the Lord without sin. Mm -hmm. And I need that reminder Mm -hmm. that strengthens me because it pushes me to Jesus, my great high priest who was able to sympathize with my weaknesses and who will never cast me out. He deals gently with me and with all sinners who come to him. You can tell I'm reading Dane Ortland's book, Gentle and Lowly. <laughs> yeah, Another yeah. quote I comes love it. to Those mind. Some good quotes. What elicits tenderness from Jesus is not the severity of the sin, but whether the sinner comes to him. Hmm. Whatever our offense, when we come to Jesus, he deals gently with us. Knowing that truth about myself, that I cannot serve the Lord without sin, and knowing the truth about my Savior, that he is for me and will deal gently with me, strengthens and encourages me in my walk of faith.
0: Mm. That's such good news. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Such good news. Yeah. Yeah. So
3: similarly, my tendency is to fast forward through the judgment passages <laughs> and linger <laughs> joyfully over words of grace. And to some extent, that's appropriate because although God's wrath righteous wrath is real and it's awful jesus has taken that real and awful wrath for me it didn't just vanish it didn't just go away jesus took it and i think it's only when we understand the severity of god's wrath his hatred of my sin that we can really, really appreciate the magnitude of his love mm-hmm. and the mystery of his love also the promise of judgment brings me to the end of myself i cannot do it I never will be able to do it. I've never been able to do it. Where else can I turn but the arms of my Redeemer? Mm. Mm -hmm.
2: It's encouraging for me to hear both of y'all express that, Mm. that way, just how you talk about it. It makes you run closer to Jesus. Whereas, Vanessa, when you're reading that passage in Deuteronomy, I know that my heart is prone to do that as well when things go well and you're living in blessing and abundance. and Right it's so easy to look to yourself or to look for Mm -hmm. to those things that you think are giving you um, those blessings and forget that those are coming from the hand of the Lord and that he knows that about our fallen nature. And I was thinking as I was reading this passage that I've thought this earlier when we were studying Joshua, because it was hard in some ways to see God's judgment on the nations that Mm -hmm. he used Mm -hmm. Israel to judge and, it was stark judgment and, uh, terrible in, in some ways. And so thinking about that, uh, pushed me to think what do I really think about sin and just revealed to me that when I don't think sin is a very big deal, um, when I don't think Mm -hmm. it's as destructive as it is to humanity even. And, uh, as an offense, of course, to the Lord, and destructive to those that he's created, that he loves. And when I don't think of it that way, then I think God's judgment is just harsh. Uh, and I forget that, it, 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 that he does judge and love as well, because he's committed uh, to the goodness and the preservation of that goodness in his world um, for his people. And so I guess I just was thinking that warning to judgment is is also a protection. It's not yeah. just this sort of threat. Um, but it's a desire to protect and to keep close and to keep within the boundaries of what is good. And so that was helpful for me just to be reminded about that, that, that when I can fear the Lord's judgment, it would be just terrible if there wasn't a place of mercy to run to. Uh, But because of the mercy that is there, then I can see the judgment is truly uh, that the Lord desires my good and He desires uh, the good of His world, and He has provided that uh, redemption and salvation through Christ, of course. And yet He still desires that sin would be eradicated in me um, as Christ lives in me. And and the more that sin is abolished, uh, the happier and healthier and everything that I am. So just, I think that's such a great yeah.
1: point that mm-hmm. His commandments are for our good. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. when
2: we realize that,
1: Mm -hmm. It's not that things are being taken away from us. Mm -hmm. He is leading us into how we can live in peace. Yeah.
0: yeah. Even in that passage is that it may go well with you. I mean, in in Deuteronomy, he says it earlier, that it may go well with you. Mm -hmm. He desires our flourishing. Mm -hmm. Right.
3: And even the consequences that he allows for my disobedience are to woo me to himself. What an incredible love that is. Absolutely.
2: Yep. Not to push you away, but mm-hmm. to draw you close. And so he does that by being honest uh, about us and our sin and his feelings towards us, inviting us to come to him in that. And then, like you said at the beginning, Vanessa, he's also very lavish in his display and communication of all of his wonders to us and for us. And that's a lot of what you find in Joshua 24 that Joshua's recounting to the entire nation and he starts with Abraham. And I love this because he's just warned the nation that if you go away from the covenant, and it's such a even just picture of marriage, you know, the Lord has married himself to you. Cling to him. Mm-hmm. Don't let go of him and go off chasing these false gods. Right. You just you see this break of relationship mm-hmm. so much portrayed there, but but cling to him and and then he talks about how the Lord initiated that covenant with Abraham and here was Abraham worshiping all sorts of idols, clinging to all sorts of false gods with really no concept of the one true God at all until the one true God came after him and established that relationship with him. So even as he's warned the people stay away um, from these idols, you know, but I go after people who go after idols. I started with your father, Abraham. I took him out of that I brought him to me. I've led him into all of this blessing. And then he goes through and he talks about the wonders that he's performed. And if Delroth Roth Davis, he categorizes them like this. He talks about, you know, that they're wonders, uh, that the Lord, they're surprising grace. You know, surprising grace is Abraham just snatched out of nothing. And just by the Lord's choice, surprising grace. Other uh, wonders of gradual pace. I didn't mean that for to rhyme, but it does. Uh-huh. <laughs> Surprising grace and oh, we're gradual doing a, We're, we're pace. doing a new thing, Amber. Uh, That's we're doing great. a new thing. I'll it's start. Rhyming. I'll start right. Rap, Rapid next week, <laughs> uh, but gradual pace because he says, you know, he 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 um, ex- he, he gave abraham multiple descendants and then he mm-hmm. says basically abraham had isaac that's one mm-hmm. isaac had esau and jacob that's three you know it mm-hmm. seems like we're not moving right. along very right. quickly here mm-hmm. we we know some of us know the story that Where the they we're the number of the stars yeah in, in right the sky. Yeah. yeah i'm going to give you all these and yet your wife is barren and you have essentially one child of the covenant and then the next wife the next generation she's barren for a long period of time she has two you know and you so say you think mm-hmm. But these wonders, they might have seemed gradual, but they were consistent. The Lord saw them through. Um, Mystifying wonders of power, just the Red Sea being split open, the Egyptian army being swallowed up, and all the provisional wonders, just daily manna being provided for every day in the desert. So he lists out all of these things and brings them to the mind of these people and saying, therefore, Mm -hmm. choose this day whom you will serve. Mm -hmm. And that's who you're going to serve, the God of wonders. So which of God's wonders for you all ladies in uh, Joshua 24, 1 through 14, reminds you of a wonder that he's performed in your own life and it spurs you on in your wholehearted commitment to him?
3: So in Joshua, we have talked about God's promises, how he is faithful to each of his promises, all will be accomplished. And we look forward to oh, we look forward to the final victory, the final um, battle, the final we are with Jesus forever. Righteousness has established. um, Evil has been judged. And we long for that. But in the meantime, he's Mm -hmm. given us promises for the here and now while we wait. So the promise that looms heavy in my mind is um, provisional promise. Uh, I, many of you know that Dan got a pacemaker about three years ago, and everything was going great until in, in last so this last past summer, and he had a checkup. He felt great. He was working out. It, every, we thought everything was fine, but there we saw that something was. The doctor saw that something was amiss with his pacemaker. So, and he needed a different kind of pacemaker. So we went into the hospital. This was supposed to be, you know, you'll have it done in the morning. We just need to add a new wire, uh, an additional wire, no big deal. You'll go home in the afternoon, okay? Now, we, it was during COVID time, so I um, could stay with him for a little while. Um, and then I had to go home at night. Uh, and after his procedure, the doctor came and talked to me and said, um, Dan's just got a little oozing at his sight um I just like to keep him overnight and of course we were um sad I couldn't stay with him but understood completely went home um disappointed and I came back the next day and he had a fabulous nurse and she grabbed me in the hall and she said um overnight Dr. Bean's heart rate dropped in the 30s several Mm -hmm. times we don't know what it is but um he didn't notice it. He slipped through it, so I've called the tech. The tech came in and um, they needed to figure out why his heart rate was dropping down to thirty. So they took him back again, and um, in the meantime, the nurse had had changed his dressing. There was not a stitch of uh, oozing on the bandage <laughs> or on him. And so um, when he came back, three. So the doctor said it would take about an hour. Well. After about two hours, he sent word, everything's fine, but we need to keep him a little longer. So he came back and basically hit one of his original leads had become disattached. Oh, and wow. so um, all things worked together for good. Did it work together for good? That God, I believe, brought oozing in the OR so Dan couldn't mm-hmm. have to go home. If there had not been the oozing, mm-hmm. he would have gone home. Mm-hmm. And this would have been a very different story. Mm-hmm. Heart rate would have dropped to 30. And Wow. So do I believe that all things work together mm-hmm. for good, even your disappointments? Mm-hmm. I do. God showed me. Mm-hmm.
2: That. A provision before you even knew what to yeah. ask for, right? Yeah. You didn't even know uh, there was a problem. Yeah. and yeah. The Lord was providing for that.
1: Well, in Joshua 24, verse 2 and 3, it reads, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, From ancient times, your fathers lived beyond the river, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land. God showed surprising grace to Abraham and called him to himself. I see that same wonder of surprising grace in my life. I grew up in a great, loving Catholic family and culture. My whole world was Catholic. I went to Catholic schools. I had Catholic friends. I played sports on the Catholic Youth League. My relatives were Catholic. I had a nun. My aunt was a nun. She was like the liaison to the Vatican. She was like a really important nun. Mm. We went to Mass every Sunday. I went to confession on Saturday afternoon. We were fully immersed in the Catholic world. I didn't know non-Catholic people. Wow. In our family, there were six kids, so summers were especially crazy with all of us home from school. My parents sent me to a Christian athletic camp when I was ten, and I heard the gospel summer after summer. I heard this good news, and the seed of truth was planted and began to take root, even though I would return for forty seven weeks of the year to a Catholic world. Um, but by the time I headed off to college, the Lord had convinced me that I needed and wanted him in my life at all times. Mm-hmm. God prompted non-believing parents to send their children mm-hmm. to a Christian camp where I heard the gospel. He worked in my heart by a spirit and through his word to convince me of that truth. There was nothing that I did to bring about my conversion mm-hmm. it was all of his grace this kindness that God showed me while I was yet a sinner spurs me on to live wholeheartedly for him. He chose me before the foundation of the world and predestined me to adoption through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will. The wonder of redeeming love and my unrighteousness leads me to live wholeheartedly
0: for him. Mm, That is Mm. incredible and beautiful. Mm -hmm. Wow. That your parents would just think to send you to a Christian camp. I know.
1: We had no connection there. (laughs) When I was 10 years old, they sent me off for five weeks. And then when I came home, they wondered why they didn't send me for the second term of five weeks (laughs) as well.
0: (laughs) Thanks mom. Yeah, (laughs) that is, wow. That is, that is incredible. Mm. Um, When I think of the wonders, Mm. I I read this passage, Joshua 24, verse five, and I sent Moses and Aaron and I played Egypt with what I did in the midst of it. And afterward, I brought you out. Mm. And that that just resonates with me um, just ethnically. Mm. I brought you out. Mm. Um, They were they were slaves in Egypt. And so I think of just the stories uh, that have been handed down and the stories I've heard in my family of our heritage. And, um, you know, I'm not enslaved because the Lord brought our family out. Mm -hmm. The Lord brought um, an ethnic, uh, you know, a a people out of slavery as he did Mm -hmm. um, Israel. And so that is just. Mm -hmm. And then I think just even on a personal level, I brought you out just the messes I've gotten myself into in life and that the Lord has been kind (laughs) Mm -hmm. and he has brought me out. Um, and so I just think of his many kindnesses in that way. Mm. Uh, But even in his recounting, I brought you out, I brought your fathers out. And he goes on to say, I mean, it's just powerful words. I brought you out. I brought your your fathers out. Um, And then he says, I brought you to the land of the Amorites. I delivered you. I gave you a land on which you had not labored in cities that you had not built. And he's oh. just reminding them of all of these powerful things that he has done in their lives. And so we, we're, again, we see that scripture calls us to remember the Lord and, mm. and our God and the wonders he's wrought in our lives. Rehearsing his mighty acts cultivates gratitude and self-forgetfulness, yeah. which mm. we so desperately need. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't allow us to take undue credit for what only the Lord accomplished in and through us. Being in relationship with this great God means we joyfully commit ourselves to obeying his commands. And at the same time, we can drink deeply from his grace when we fail. Mm. Joshua reminds us to put away the idols of our culture and to embrace Mm. this God who has established a new covenant with us through the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. Obedience to this God remains the way to flourishing.
2: Mm. Amen. Amen. (laughs) That's
0: just what
1: I was thinking. Amen. Amen. Mm. Mm.
2: And with that note of encouragement, we hope you will join us again next week. Let us keep you company while you decorate the Christmas tree or perhaps whip up a batch of gingerbread cookies. Wow. Um, if you want to see Elena and Sue's pretty faces, you can check them out on our Women's Bible Study Facebook page at Women's Bible Study FPCA or find us on Instagram at org. Next week, we'll be joined by Katie Driver and Lane Hutchins as they help us review oh, uh, all we've learned Yeah, in Joshua uh, this season. We hope you listen in.
3: Sometimes a light surprises The Christian while she sings It is the Lord who rises With healing in His wings When comforts are declining He grants the soul again A season of your shining to cheer it after the rain